0: Good
1: afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Tell Me Slug Podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today, uh, representing the gracious state of Texas in this uh, week of the Olympics, we've got Artem. How's it going, Artem?
2: Howdy, howdy, doing good. Watching some of the Olympics, catching some of the other sports that we're not used to seeing, like street skateboarding.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite, like, I guess, non uh Football sport, or maybe Olympic sport, would probably be better.
2: I guess soccer, but you know, when the Olympics come on, I like to watch the the whole. Usually, it's in the winter sports, but running or anything, and it's kind of cardio exercise, and then either shooting or archery, like it is in the summer Olympics. So Those are always fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think the winter one where they ski and then they have to drop down and shoot the targets—I forget what that's called—but that's that's one of my favorite ones. I've always been a fan of that. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Where they got the rifles and they ski across the countryside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea what it's called a triathlon. Uh, it might be like a biathlon. I don't know what it's called. I, I, it's something like that. But uh, anyway, since uh, Andrew could not be with us with this week. Uh, graciously, uh, except that uh, my dad has decided to come on for, once again, uh, Alabama graduate and one of the first people to don the guise of Al the Elephants. Uh, how's it going, Pat? <laughs>
3: hey, it's Pat, and I'm uh, glad to be here with you guys, Arden. It's good to see you and be with you again. Uh, I think they call that Nordic cross-country or something like that, but I'm not sure anyway uh, my favorite uh, this year in the olympics is actually the uh, the surfing because it's new and i, and I would say that at, on the part that i've viewed so far the waves look kind of weak but they're talking about there's a typhoon offshore so maybe they'll actually get some real waves coming in uh, and uh, take it over you know i'm always you know americans they have their sports of the swimming and diving and the uh, gymnastics is, is incredible um, I most recently spent three months in Jamaica, and I got a, an earful of how good the Jamaican sprinters were, and so I guess I'm going to watch some of that Thursday maybe when they're, uh, when they're putting on the
1: track and field. I will say, I mean, the Jamaican sprinters are making headlines, but I will say I was actually watching the surfing earlier, and that was where I was having to learn a lot because apparently they're doing it at, like, different depths. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing in surfing. I thought you just surfed and you carried it all the way in. Now, apparently, like, there's a difference in where you catch the wave and how you're able to perform tricks or stuff. So that's all news to me, uh-huh. but it's pretty cool to learn. I believe it.
3: Well, I'll tell you what I believe in is that uh, the Olympics does everything by scoring a little differently. When I watched the basketball uh, the other night, the women's basketball, it was kind of unusual seeing them score one point, goals and two-point goals from outside the three-point line so uh you know the olympic has their technical way of doing it and i don't know why they do it but i guess it's maybe they're trying to balance the uh judging to make it more
1: objective and less the judge's opinion you know well it gives us something to watch while we're waiting on uh college football to start up back up so i guess i'm ready for that (laughs) yeah i think we all are and uh so speaking speaking of people who are ready for it, I think uh, the SEC uh, administrator is it George Sankey? Is that his name? Is that his full name? Martin? Mr. Sankey has uh, kind of started started getting excited pretty early with these uh, expansion rumors. It sounds like, and I think this. Happened pretty quickly because it happened right at, last week after our NIL discussion. And I remember, Artem, you and I were kind of like, well, we don't expect any major changes in the near future. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma and Texas are like, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to move to the SEC now. So, uh, bye, Big 12. And it caught me off guard. Um, Artem, I know you're a little closer to the heart of Texas. Um <laughs> How caught off guard were you about all this? Um, And I will, I do want to preface, because we've had some angry text messages. Anything you say, you are a Texas A&M fan, so people got to understand what's going on through your head. But anyway, go ahead, Arnim, get us started.
2: Uh, Greg Sankey,
1: and I looked it up, it's the biathlon, so the shooting and the... Okay, it is the biathlon, yeah. that's And we'd be remiss,
2: you know, it's Summer Olympics, so beach ball, volleyball. That's where it's at. Um, Got turn it turned on now. But um, I, I think we're, we were all caught off guard, I think, most of the world was from everything I've read. There was a single administrator from every school that was involved. And the way that the news broke, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't well done. It was, it was very purposeful, right? a and came on, on stage, and they were trying to catch the Aggie coach and the athletic director off guard with – several outlets breaking the news and kind of asking them questions right as they came up to the podium. So I think that was done purposefully to throw us off and see how A&M would react. I, I think by that point, the deal was pretty much done with the administrators that were involved, but it, it seemed to have stuck with those folks. So what we're hearing now is, you know, the, the rea- everybody was looking for A&M's reaction. So that's what the news has been filled with. But really... There, there's a there's a reaction from other schools that has been hidden in the background because schools like Florida, schools like Georgia, that you know essentially have dominated their side of the SEC for a long time, and their goal was okay, you know, for Florida it was if we beat Georgia we're in the SEC championship. For Georgia it was if we beat Florida we're pretty much good. Now they're like, wait, you're adding two more teams. That doesn't sound like we're going to have just the 17th to play now. So what I'm hearing is full realignment of the SEC. And, you know, now that you're hearing this and it's almost a done deal, these other schools are also a little bit scared. And they're like, well, it sounds like there's going to be some realignment. And some of that may have happened without me knowing. So I might be stuck in a pod with Alabama and Auburn and LSU. All of a sudden I have played them every year. Like what the heck? Why didn't anybody ask me? So I think, a and M was definitely taken off guard, um, and we've been at the center of this because of the obvious rivalry and haven't been in the Big Twelve. But the college football world, mainly the SEC, has been very, very surprised because this was done behind closed doors.
1: Well, and I will also add, I mean, there's a million different perspectives you can take on this because obviously there's the perspective of the other conferences now. There's like, there's. The Big 12 is pretty much dead. So what happens to all the schools that were in the Big 12? What happens to these other conferences that are going to be overshadowed potentially by a super SEC? Although, you know, the SEC was already kind of overshadowing everything. You know, obviously Texas uh, A&M was the only really influential school in the SEC in Texas, and now they're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, You know, there's... There's a lot of different perspectives and thoughts. It goes much more beyond just two schools joining a conference. I will say, if we're looking at it from a business standpoint, this makes a lot of sense for Oklahoma. I'm kind of confused about the Texas side of things, because you would feel that in order for them to join the SEC, they would have to give up the Longhorn Network, which is kind of their big money maker at the moment. So obviously they feel that the money they are gaining by joining the SEC is more than the money they would lose by essentially losing out on that negotiation tool. And that's kind of what the, why Notre Dame and another, speaking of another college and another conference has been hesitant to join conferences because they've kind of got their own network deal. So why would they give that up to essentially share money with another conference? Um, it makes it a lot more confusing, I guess, for the, uh, both sides down the line. Um, I guess, Pat, I'm not going to get into the whole nitty gritty just yet, uh, but from a business standpoint, what do you think of this move, I guess, for Oklahoma and Texas and I guess for the rest of the SEC, inviting these guys, knowing where they are as programs, uh, from the past few years? You no, know, it, it seems to me that backing up just
3: uh, for 30 seconds and looking at the history maybe be the best starting point because the whole thing has been about increasing revenues.
0: You know, now we have today college athletes who can uh, use their
3: image and rights. But if you go back in time, the SEC, you know, the first conference championship game, was in 1992, and that was about uh, money and about improving status. And then the BCS debuted in 98, six years later, and a and 12th regular season game was added in 06, and, uh, and then you had the college football playoff debut in 14. Uh, all of those steps have been about uh, increasing revenues and, and putting more money into the performing schools. Uh, Unfortunately, from a business point of view, it's leaving a large group of people out. But the complaints before the BCS were about those schools being left out. But it turns out that the performers under um, the old BCS and under the college football playoff system are still the performers today. And so I'm not really sure that all the arguments they're given about revenue generation are are really that strong. It still comes down to what they do on the field and how they recruit and and how they prepare their athletes and how they uh, put the game on the field and compete. And so the, the, the SEC has done phenomenal on that. Well, you know, you back up and you look at it, the college football playoffs, from a monetary point of view, distributes $475 million annually to the teams that are participating in it. And uh, so it's, you know, it's enormous uh, revenue coming in. I, you know, when you mentioned the uh, the Texas network, you know, I did a tiny bit of digging into that. I didn't do a lot of research, and so I can't go down deep into the subject. But it turns out that Texas may not be all that happy with the revenue that's being generated from, from their network. And they may not be totally happy that uh, it... The way it's set up so i mean i know they're 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 well in control of it but it, it appears that they are willing to give that up and i think that uh, and, and they believe that their revenue would be greater you know the estimates are that uh, the teams were taking in the sec were taking about uh, 45 million dollars um on the year from the conference and they're saying that by bringing the two powerhouse teams into the conference that that revenue has has a possibility of climbing to close to 60 million dollars per team on average per year and so i think that there's it isn't 15 million dollars isn't a lot of additional revenue but uh i think that they're believing that it can offset what i wonder is um there's going to be penalties from their conference one estimate is that Texas will be penalized $80 million for leaving the conference. So, you know, I think of what the business of this is that we hear these you know, media numbers that they throw out there, but then when people get right down to the bare bones of it, none of them fight these things through the courts. They all negotiate them in the end, you know? And so I think what it's really going to come down to is who can put the best negotiators at the table and argue their points. And I guess... The whole thing is that this isn't the first time that their conference people have been embarrassed by one of their teams, and it's certainly not going to be the last. I mean, uh, you know, later in the conversation, I've got a little bit of input into what some of the other schools from the conference, you know, uh, that Texas
1: and Oklahoma are leaving, a little bit more input into where some of those other schools may end up. You know, the ACC actually – end up with some of those teams. Um, well, I think, you know, so. uh, I think West Virginia in particular is definitely looking at the a- ACC because um, they've got rivalries there. And they're obviously, being in West Virginia, it didn't really make much sense for them to be in the Big 12, which is traditionally more of a Texas Midwestern conference anyway. Um, and then, yeah, I think the Pac-12 is definitely looking at taking in some of these excess Texas schools and potentially picking up finances there. Um so, I mean, I don't think this is like going to be a bad thing in the long term or anything. I'm just kind of curious. It, it is tough when Texas is a really interesting category because I think for your fans, you have one of the highest expectations out of Texas for a team that is not traditionally performed. And now Texas is making this move to kind of try and improve finances but at the same time is kind of putting them in a position where they really will have to prove themselves on the field and they haven't done that in the past few years I mean Artem I know you're a little biased but uh, do you how do you feel the fans are going to react to this knowing that I mean sure they're going to be in the SEC which is the premier conference but now they're going to have to play teams like Alabama and LSU and they were already struggling against teams like Baylor and uh Texas Tech on a pretty regular basis. So, do you have any thoughts on that, Artem?
2: Yeah, I think I think their fans are going to be just fine. You know, they spent probably the last decade shedding on the SEC and calling it a, a fake conference, and then every once in a while they play, you know, an SEC school that should have been in the playoff but didn't make it, so they don't want to be there, and they'll beat them. So, they're like, oh, we beat an SEC school, um, so I, I think the fans are going to be just fine. I bet uh, they're going to be excited. I am looking forward to this coming season, though, because uh, this season Texas is still going to have to play every single school that they essentially deserted and, and left, to, left for the Vultures out there. The Vultures like uh, Pac-12 in the ACC. So, um, you know, <laughs> after this season, they're going to be fine. They'll figure it out. I think the ACC is going to set it up the same schools. Uh, I've heard of this pod system or whatever being set up, so social media about the historical record of uh, Texas MOU versus every SEC school. Pool. Well, <laughs> those are historical records from like the 60s and 50s, and the recency factor is uh, quite a bit different. I think they're going to go in with a lot of confidence, and like you said, they're going to end up losing to quite a few of these schools that actually play defense. I was thinking about the other day, uh, I believe it was, uh, I don't think they did it this year, but the year before, Kentucky like lost all their quarterbacks, so they had...
1: The Baylor had a similar situation a few years ago, and they they put up, like, 50 in a game against Texas. They weren't that much. That, it, it was ridiculous. Anyway, sorry. And that's the
2: thing. They would you know, they would cut, cut through them like paper, but the difference from the SEC and the Baylors of the world – and Baylor was, was good, right? This was not the kind of crappy Baylor that had no defense before on a half-powered offense. So – like a, a team like Kentucky, who has a really good defense, would just wipe them, and they, it'd be you know 20-zip at the end of the game, and Texas would be like, I can't believe this happened. So I, I, I think it's going to be uh, – I think their, their viewpoint's going to change. They're going to come in high, thinking they're going to beat everybody, and the SEC's weak because they've been crapping on everybody in the SEC. Uh, then they're going to start chaining SEC with everybody uh, when they're playing other schools. Uh, but in reality, I think they're going to – especially Texas is going to lose uh, – quite a few games here in this first couple inaugural seasons. Yeah. Like I said, I'm looking forward to this next season where they have to play each of these schools that they essentially left out there for the vultures. That, that's going to be very exciting.
1: To watch. Are you thinking there'd be some, uh, on the field aggression possibly? <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So I guess Artem obviously has some perspective seeing as how he's out in Texas and he has a direct rivalry with the Texas fans. Um, so Uh, Pat, as someone who doesn't necessarily interact with Texas fans on a regular basis, I mean, what are your thoughts about the two teams that are coming in to join the SEC? Again, I think there's been a lot to be said about Oklahoma in recent years. They have really kind of been a playoff contender pretty consistently. Texas, on the other hand, despite all their moves, has not had a lot of success, but has continued to uh, talk the talk, for lack of a better term. Uh, What do you... Pat, before we go into the other schools and where they might end up, uh, what are your thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma and just them in general? Uh,
0: their... You know, you know I, I, I get it. I mean, I absolutely get it. Uh, the, the, uh, the alums
3: and the Texas uh, people uh, who support the school have wanted the team to be a winner forever, and they're wobbling around trying coach after coach after coach. I think they – they believe that Sarkisian will bring them a winner. Um, he certainly did a great job twice for Alabama, and uh, the timing probably couldn't be any better as far as, uh, you know, new blood is concerned. Oklahoma's coach has just got a couple of years under his belt, and he's clearly a winner. I mean, uh, I think that uh, he's had them at the top of the list uh, consistently playing quite well, doing what he needed to do to, to keep them up there. So, you know, be remiss as a Bama fan if I didn't go back to this national championship game where the tide rolled over Texas. Uh, they didn't quite roll over them, but they, they ended up the winner at the end of the game. And uh, So that's my most recent memory. As, as Art suggested, it, it's kind of a historical point in the books now. But uh, So yeah, they haven't actually been Texas as it is, hasn't really been the uh, powerhouse of football that they were at one time. And uh, you know what? I can relate to that, too, being a Bama fan. Uh, we rolled along with the Bear. I was in school while the Bear was there. People today just remember Bear as this
0: house tooth cap. They don't really know the, the legacy that he left behind of winning. There was a big valley in the middle uh, where the coaches
3: came and went, came and went, came and went. And uh, Gene Stallings produced the national championship, but the – Many of the other coaches uh, just really didn't bring them back up to that level until Saban. So uh, I can identify with Texas where they are. I know their fans are hurting. Uh, In Georgia, where I live,
0: I had to listen to the Georgia fans call it the crimson slide throughout those years when we were on the
3: downswing. So, you know, I identify with the Texas fans quite a lot. Uh, I admire the Oklahoma program. They've always been a good program. Stoops put them in a good way for a long time.
0: So I suspect that the two new coaches on both of those programs are going to bring them up. And I do think they'll be worthy opponents. You
3: know why I think that is because they have the talent, and I think they just need to get the coaching. Uh, And Some of these schools have a problem inside the program where the athletes have pushed their way into the leadership role and the coaches have allowed it to happen that's got to reverse itself where it's got to level out a little bit um, for those programs to ever really be performers. But, uh, but I think that once they get that part of their program in place, both of those programs have the talent, the ability to recruit. Uh, they've got the alumni support to put whatever resources need to be put into the, uh, into the process. So I think both teams will turn out to be worthy opponents. They won't come to the SEC and be embarrassed. I guarantee you, um, you know, they're going to play hard. Look at, I mean, Artem, your team is a perfect example of uh, raising, the, raising your game level um, to compete in
1: the SEC. And I think all of the other schools are, are trying to do that too. And, uh, so, yeah, I just think being in the SEC is going to force them to bring their game up. Well, I will note that Texas A and M was only one of the schools that came over, and I don't know that Mizzou has had nearly as much success. But uh, I mean, point they taken. They started with a they started with a bang the first two years. They
3: actually were really quite quite good the first two years, and they've had some. Their coach had some health problems, and they've had some transitional issues, and uh, they're maybe in that little bitty valley right now. You know, they're they're still they still got good
1: athletes up there. And I and I will also note that I think we we are obviously a college football podcast. There are sports other than college football out there, but uh, so you know, Mizzou. Really? Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? Really. <laughs> um. But so yeah, I think Mizzou has had more success on other in other aspects. But with that out of the way, why don't we? Since you did your research, Pat, why don't we talk about uh, where do we think some of these other schools are going? So. I kind of recovered West Virginia, at least for my research. Might end up in the ACC. Uh, the Big Ten, the last I heard, was sniping, was looking at eyeing Kansas again because of the basketball program. Uh, what do you have in your research?
3: Pull down to
1: that point where I can actually give you the uh, you know, guys. I worked my butt off researching this, so uh, see what we got. I got. Uh, Like Baylor, for example, I think it looks like that there's
3: a good opportunity for the ACC uh, to pick them up. Um, I think that there's a good bit of talk that uh, that the ACC would like to have a team like that. And I don't think that they're going to tie in with any of the other conferences uh, like the Pac-12. It just doesn't seem to be a fit. I just – I imagine that you've got that kind of a link going on. Um, you did have a great basketball program in the uh, past year. And I think you got that going on. Iowa State, uh, probably in Big Ten, it seems a logical link. You
1: know? I mean, since Iowa's already there, it does kind of play in. Um Art, Artem, do you got any insight onto where they're going? Or I'm sorry, we kind of cut you off after Pat's discussion. Any thoughts on what anything you okay. had to say?
2: No, uh, I've heard that the American has apparently offered something uh, to some of the Texas schools because they have a, a similar footprint to the SEC, really. Uh, you know, There's Arkansas State, there's a bunch of Texas schools already there. So, um, I don't know who all was in there, but you could see the American make a play for these schools. They already have a television deal. They continue that conversation with CBS Sports. Um, You, you know, the whole, uh, just to go on a little tangent, the whole thing that kind of bothers me about how this was done was uh, apparently the, the timing of this is, is as follows, right? Sometime in the last, like, two weeks, the Big 12 has met as a group, and they're like, yeah, let's go talk with the CBS and see what kind of a deal we can get, because our Fox Sports stuff's running out. So, Oklahoma and Texas at this point, like, yeah, totally, let's do that. And then, like, two days later, the news breaks, and the day or so after that, there's a call with CBS, and obviously neither of them shows up, because of the breakup. And so these other schools still attend that, and they're like, well, (laughs) two of the schools you really wanted to be here that would make you the most money aren't here, but how about you still give us a deal? Um, And you know That's why I was referring to this season being an interesting one to watch with how the other schools will react with hosting uh, Texas and OU. But um, I, I think that would be really cool to see the American step up. We've talked about it multiple times where uh, the American had a couple good schools, and uh, they probably could have made it to the playoff, but they didn't because they weren't part of the Power Five. So if... The American plays their cards right here. They could steal a couple of the Power Five schools, and all of a sudden become a super Power Five conf- or Power Four, whatever conference themselves. And all of a sudden, you have the American really saying, "Hey, we have a large number of schools. We just took on a couple Power Five schools. We want a spot in the college football playoff. You have four of them. One of them's ours. We have six teams. That, that's what I was saying." So, think. would one of those? Would one of those? art Would one of those be Texas Tech? Uh, I was thinking it would be like Baylor, uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. Really makes sense too. If you grab uh, maybe TCU, if you grab those four, that's a huge deal for the American. And they don't—they no longer have to travel to the Pac-12. That's completely on the West Coast, or so far on the East Coast for the ACC. You're really, really leaving. Gosh, who else is in there? But
1: yeah, Kansas and Iowa State and West Virginia, and those are really the ones that belong in the ACC. Well, I think, again, Kansas, it, Kansas, it sounds like it's Big Ten, Iowa State Big Ten, and then West Virginia is ACC. And ACC is really trying to swing the Notre Dame thing, especially after last year. They're really trying to get Notre Dame to like realize that it needs to be a part of, part of a conference if, uh, if it's going to become relevant in the near future, if it's going to stay relevant, rather. But uh, the other part is there is a kind of a discussion about um, now with this playoff expansion, which we'll have to talk about in another week. We've got too much stuff going on. uh, You know, what is that going to mean for the rest of these conferences? Because the whole point of that, well, part of the point of that was to give a open seat to conferences like the American conference. But now if the big 12 falls apart, you've essentially got more seats at the table. So this is uh, this is becoming a very fascinating uh, season. I think uh, the 20, you know, the, the way this season plays out and I think whatever happens in the offseason following this is going to have a massive impact on uh, college football for the next de- decade or so, I'd say. Um, you know, there's another mix in here that we haven't talked about that's actually that for them to, to be able to come
3: into the SEC, out of the 14 schools, they have to get 11 uh, to, to vote in their favor. And, you know, I, I know your coach, Artem, has been adamant that he intended that
0: they be the only SEC school in Texas. So tell me a
3: little about that.
2: Uh, that was actually the, the athletic director.
3: That who it was. Okay. He
2: was he was one of the ones that I think was caught off guard. So you probably could have said a little bit more in that. He, you know, that made us sound a little bit scared, which we're not. We were just we felt slanted that we weren't asked because there was a gentleman's agreement noted, like you mentioned, that you know you have to have a certain number of schools, and if somebody really objects, you don't let somebody into the conference. But it sounds like money got in the way of that, but. Um, from what I heard, and it's the there's a lot that could happen. You're absolutely right. If if the four schools I believe vote against it, uh, then this deal doesn't happen, whether they have the money or not. Um, and we do have some of that in play here. I bet it's going on in the background right now.
0: Uh, A&M, we doubt it.
2: yeah. a is definitely going to vote against it, regardless if you know they're coming in or not, because just out of principle at this point, right. But then you have Georgia, you have Florida, you have, really, Arkansas and the Mizzou's of the world that go into Texas to recruit still, Um, and it it all comes down to, we are at a point where we don't have Nick Saban as A&M, but we have Jimbo, and we feel like Jimbo is the coach that can get us to that national championship. It's going to take time, right? Good things usually take time to build Clemson, for example, did that Clemson anything for a multitude of years there, and now they're a powerhouse, so... Uh, we've seen what a good coach and a good recruiter can do, and really it's not about the conference for us anymore because that was a that was part of our recruiting pitch, right? We would go into Texas homes, Texas kids' homes, and we'd say,
0: hey, we are the only school in Texas in the NCC. That's part of a pitch. But when you're
2: having a lead recruiter like Jimbo has proven he can do a good job, that's only part of a pitch. And you lose that part, you move on to something else. Now, schools like Arkansas, Mizzou, It's going to be much tougher for them to go to recruit Texas now because they've lost. Now it's like you're the school that's a couple of states away from Texas. So hey, kid, you know, leave your house and come play for me. It's much harder to do that pitch when you have Texas, Texas A&M, and OU in the area, and really LSU is right in the same same distance. So. You're you're now not just fighting A&M, which is right there. You're fighting all these other schools, and you're not going to get the same recruits. Yeah. Um, so I think because of that, I think the other schools also feel threatened, um, and because they're they're losing a major part of their recruiting pitch, especially the ones that are not like Georgia, or Alabama, and Florida, where the you know there's so much history there that it's part of the pitch. It's it's most of your hey, yeah. come play for the SEC. The only school, it's, it's either A&M or us, essentially, right? Um, I, I think those schools are going to have to say something about it because they will they will take a step back because of this.
1: Well, um, and I've looked at some of the rumors around, and I, 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 the majority of people, of course, are saying it's going to be a 13-to-1 vote because chalk it up to the rivalry, chalk it up to being the only school in Texas or the gentleman's agreement, however you want to play it. I, a Texas A&M is going to vote no. Um, but yeah, there is a possibility still that Arkansas and Mizzou s- switch sides on this. The question is, where are you going to get that fourth school from? Cause I mean, Old Miss, Mississippi state, probably not LSU and Alabama and Auburn, I think are pretty comfortable. So it'd have to be somebody in the East, uh, that would have to kind of step in and be like, no, we don't want this to happen. And I don't know that the money decreases, uh, enough for somebody else to step in and say, we don't want them in our
0: conference.
2: You uh, could have a Florida or a Georgia come in and say no because bringing two more schools in at this time causes a realignment that they're uncomfortable with. I, I kind of said it earlier, but you know that, that east side really has Florida and Georgia dominating it for the last 20 years. Right Now, it's not about Texas and OU really coming in. It's about two schools are coming in, and geographically they're located in such a manner that they may not directly impact you, but indirectly you're you're now stuck in the league with Georgia and Alabama, and you have to play Alabama every single year. So your path to the championship gets that much harder, as opposed to before, where it was like, all right, we just got to beat Florida, and we won't their ass every year, so we'll win the East, and then we have to worry about Alabama when we get to the championship. Now you're having to worry about Alabama during the regular season, and you lose, and you you can't even get to the championship.
1: Well, and there is certainly that aspect of the pods, which we don't know how exactly that's going to play out, but there's a lot of rivalries, and that, I mean, a lot of rivalries also in the, uh, you know, that have recently developed in the SEC. So if they realign pods to, say, like, emphasize older rivalries, uh, like, say, Alabama with Tennessee and Alabama with Auburn, in the iron bowl, you might lose some of the more recent rivalries, you know, Alabama's not going to be playing Texas A&M or LSU every year, or, you know, Georgia, Georgia will somehow end up not playing Auburn or they will end up not playing, you know, South Carolina. It, it, there's a lot of ways that this could play out that could disrupt rivalries. But I, I think, you know, $60 million, it's a lot to say no to, right? Um, oh man, that's a that's a lot of money to say no to, and uh, no, again,
3: it's only about fifteen million more than the uh, schools were already getting. But nonetheless, fifteen million buys a lot of gear and helps a lot of other programs inside each of those schools under those athletic directors. And uh, so I'm not sure any athletic director would really want to say no uh, to that, you know. But uh, I do understand the uh, Texas A&M. Point of view, and I think that's that's a very valid, strong point of view. You know, they made the commitment to make the move. Uh, it seemed a little unusual to me, just slightly distant schools, and really they're not that far when you think of the outer edges of the conference. Um, they're actually connected, but uh, but it just seemed like a long way to go to play games. But I do think that, uh, that that they've made it a worthy made themselves a worthy opponent in this uh,
1: conference. So, uh, $15 million will buy a lot of commitments, I think. So, guys, as much as I'd love to talk about this for the rest of the cast, we do have one other topic. Do uh, uh, I'll give you all one, one last chance. Artem, you got any last thoughts on the uh, conference realignment?
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I would hate to play Texas MOU every year just because I hate. Don't like their fans. Um, been around them plenty. That—that's really my main negative thing. There is I don't really care about those teams. I avoid them when they come on TV. There's much more exciting football to watch than the crap they do. Um, mainly, having been a Texas A&M fan and been in a conference where it was so dominated by OU and Texas, it was—it was not fun to watch. Referees definitely catered to that, as you guys know, with the horns down stuff. Um, there were. If if you ever go rewatch the the last Texas Texas A M game, you know that that came down to 15 yard penalties that were pass interference that probably should have never been pass interference, but yet um, there's a lot of stuff to that. So that's the, what I I hope it doesn't come down to is them coming in and then us having to watch games where referees are really deciding the outcome. That would be not very fun, and I'd probably stop watching college football at that point. Uh, I do want to say I think a lot of this has to do with. Before, it was a geographic footprint that led how conferences make decisions. Like A&M being, entering the SEC really made sense because at the time there wasn't a Texas school in there, and that's why we were like, hey, we're going to be the only Texas school. We can bring the whole Texas market to the SEC. I think that's that's drastically changed because of these streaming services and every channel having their own kind of paid uh, stream, stream that you can sign up for and pay a little bit extra for. I don't think that's permanent i do think people are assuming that everything has changed in that direction and we will stay in this model where you know stream services and geography doesn't matter i 100 percent disagree i think it's going to go the opposite way soon i think the pendulum pendulum is now getting really close to a point where us as consumers we're going to get really annoyed with uh, the whole you know you have to pay for Every single channel's essentially individual service to be able to watch the the offering they have, and soon you're going to see it come back to this model where you have potentially HBO be a major player and you know really have ten or fifteen channels in their in their portfolio and then decide what they show. So I think the pendulum is going to go back, and the decisions that are being made here really have to do with streaming. Right? We kind of talked about it online. It's it's uh, Disney and ESPN offering their Disney Plus package and saying at least one uh, SEC game per school has to be played on the SE, uh, ESPN Plus channel. So then you have fans buying ESPN Plus to be able to watch their game, even if it is for a month, and then, you know, they, they find other services. And but,
1: stay I them. mean, I, I guess to the core of your point, as long as, you know, how, as long as there is money being made, I mean, people are going to keep finding ways to make that money. And I guess we've seen it. And as Dad pointed out, it's not anything new. It happened back in the eighties and nineties. It's just happening so much faster now, with the way the media is changing and the way what the every everything else is developing so quickly and so differently. Possibly because of you know technology, and partially because of all this stuff with like COVID and everything else. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dad. Any okay, last thoughts? Let me, let me do. Let me do three. 45 seconds on winners and losers and the irony of it all. The winners are certainly going to be Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC
3: schools who will have them join as uh, as very competitive partners. Um, the loser is ultimately the NCAA because these big conferences are going to get so big that they're going to throw the NCAA rule book out the window and walk away and form their own overseeing boards, and they will control their own destiny and not live by the rules or the sanctions, which have been uh, unfair to many schools uh, and and political kind of in nature. Uh, The irony of it all, I remember a conversation, it can't have been two months ago, where people were talking about why don't we swap Clemson for Vanderbilt, Um, why don't we swap you know, another ACC school for an SEC school and make the whole thing more competitive. Well, here we are, guys. I mean, we're not necessarily getting rid of anybody, but we've, um, out of the blue, I guess it really isn't, but but out of the closet, we now have two big schools that are coming to join, and the irony was that two months ago, nobody was really, really talking about this. They were actually talking about other ways to do it, but here it comes, and Tomorrow, the two schools, literally tomorrow, the two schools sign
0: their letters into their
3: conference and say, you know, we're, we're making the move. So
1: uh, here it comes. And I I mean, I think this is that's the key impact is, I mean, we can talk about the money all day and how things are going to change. The real impact I think this is going to have is with the NCAA because eventually, like, you're just going to have your own Divisions, not conferences, like divisions. It's not going to be FBS football. It's going to be SEC. It's going to be ACC. They're going to have their own little divisions with these schools at the rate this is going. Because the NCAA, after the ruling with NIL and after the ruling, after how they've handled this conference realignment situation just kind of allowed it to play out, and all their other non-enforcement, all they've gone to show is that they have no real power whatsoever and there's no – benefit to having them in in place in the first place. I don't know, but that's a, that's a detailed conversation for another day. Uh, Like I said, as much as we'd like to keep talking about this, um, let's go ahead and talk about, get into uh, our upcoming stuff for next year. We've only got so much time to talk about uh, predictions for the next season because it's sneaking up on us fast, but uh, let's go quickly into who we expect to win each of the power five conferences as they currently stand going into 2021. So starting off, uh, we got SEC, um, the big one. I think, uh, Dad, I assume you and I are on the same boat. I think I've got Alabama coming out as the winner. Um, I think the uh, top challengers would be Texas A&M this year, since LSU has lost a lot of talent and just didn't show up last year, I don't think much out of Auburn. And then in the East, you've got uh, the – The dogs and Florida. Unless I'm missing somebody, I think those are the main challengers. So, uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on the SEC and who's going to be competing um, in that conference? You know what? I I liked your summary. I think it's right on point. Uh, I think
3: that in the East you've still got Florida and Georgia. And, you know, Georgia keeps climbing the ladder year after year. They just can't quite get to the top rung. I don't know if this is their year or not, but, boy, Florida looked incredible this past year. And uh, so I, I'm saying from that side there's there's two good schools that just seem to be there year after year. Um, I like Texas A&M uh, out of the West. And, um, you know, I, I'm just going to drop over to the sideline on the comment here, but I noticed where the Auburn quarterback kind of in a – paraphrase said, we ain't scared of Alabama. (laughs) But but you know something, I'm not totally sure that being a Bama fan, that that matters to me because the Bama team goes in to win each play of each game, and they don't care who they're playing against. They're playing against themselves to be better than they were, and that's what's made them uh, the top-ranked talent probably in the
1: SEC, most certainly uh, amongst the very best in the nation. Fair enough, uh, Artem. How, how are your feelings uh, on the SEC? I know you didn't want to get too hyped about Texas A&M. I we keep having that conversation. What are your thoughts?
2: No, it's silly. i I think if there was a if there was ever a year that we win the SEC, uh, this is as good as year as any. Um, simply because we have a ton of returning starters. here at the War of Jimbo, and kind of what Pat mentioned. You know, Jimbo really came in with that same mentality. It's not about your opponent. You're playing a faceless opponent. It's about you, and it's about winning every inch of the field, every single play that's been instilled in them for three, four years now. Um, pretty much the locker room's almost completely different. We only have a few players left over from the someone six year uh, embarrassment that we had to watch. Um, I, I think if this. This is the year, if, if there is any, just because Alabama had a ton of turnover again and I think we returned nine of eleven starters on defense.
1: And, then and the you, other two are still in the two D. I think per our discussion last week, the biggest weakness is kinda on the O line, it sounds like. I mean you've got a new quarterback, yeah. but it's not like he's an inexperienced quarterback, I guess, for lack of a better term. I but know. even Jimbo
2: is very like upbeat about our O line. Um, and it, he should be because they're much more highly recruited in spent three or four years at this point so in the system they're not they're not rookies. so i I think uh a&m takes the the west and that's me just being very positive about it because i know alabama is still going to be tough uh in the east i think it'll be uh georgia once again i think florida lost too much talent um to 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 beat georgia
3: and catch up to them okay Wow. You know, And, you know, if it does play out that way, you you know the Bama fans are not going to be ugly about it. They're going to say congratulations to Texas A&M for being the best team.
0: Well, Pat, you're going to be very surprised when you play at the UN Texas. <laughs> <laughs> i, I get it. I do get it. It's like a a fight
3: behind the stands at the county fair, you know. But, uh, the, but, but I do think that uh, the class that the SEC carries – may help some. It may take a few years for it to seek in, but uh, we do
1: that with Auburn, too. So, you know, it may not go away at all. I don't know. I mean, how long does it take it to seek in for Georgia? Because I think that's been a problem for a while now. I don't know. Florida's
2: well, still throwing shoes. <laughs>
1: but, uh, moving on to another conference with their own issues. Uh, we got the ACC. So... I don't know that there's a whole lot of, this is kind of why I had Andrew here. So he could talk about UNC because his girlfriend keeps track of all that for us. Well, I guess it's his wife now. My apologies, Elizabeth. Um, But anyway, you know, Clemson, Clemson's on top. I'll remind everybody that Notre Dame being in the ACC was an anomaly. That was a last year for COVID thing. So Notre Dame, not in the conference this year, uh, so Clemson and then I think the only real challengers would probably be North Carolina and maybe Miami. I think a lot of people are hyping up Miami's quarterback and the talent they've got down there. And then, of course, UNC uh, with uh, their coach who actually uh, – Mack Brown coming out of Texas uh, was uh, has turned a lot of things around there. But um, other than that, I just don't have a lot of high hopes unless – Y'all know something about Boston College that I don't, but uh, Artem, <laughs> Artem, I'll start with you. Uh, what, what? Do you think anybody challenges Clemson in the ACC? I think... First, just taking it all in
2: here. Uh, hopefully, Georgia Tech does. Gosh, <laughs> it's stepping up a little bit here, but um, you know, year three—that's really the year you're supposed to see the biggest growth. Year two and three, right? So hopefully Georgia Tech steps up. Uh, Duke has been gone for a while, which means they'll be packed with seniors. Boston College showed glimpses last season. Um, I I think it's going to be a cakewalk for Clemson, to be honest. Again, I know they lost a quarterback. They lost a running back. They're going to reload. They're going to rely on their defense. Uh, Their their true freshman last year looked good. I I think they're going to keep on rolling. I think... To, I, I mean, I wanted to mention it uh, for the SEC as well, but I forgot. Uh, Ole Miss is really going to be the dark horse in the SEC for me. I want to see what Kiffin's going to do with them. Uh, I think he was really he overstepped where we thought he was going to be last season because of the talent that was already on the team. I want to see how he does with his his new group, and does he get better this year and the year afterwards? And if he doesn't, you know, I see it kind of with UNC as well. It's the um,
3: Mag Brown
2: coming in and taking over for Fedora, who had a ton of talent that he was messing up. They had so much speed on that team. And really, Matt Brown is still playing with the same guys. He brought in the, the new QB, but outside of that, that was still talent of somebody else. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Ole Miss and UNC as those older classes that have been there before that coach and have kind of been guiding the program roll off. And really seeing the footprint of Matt and Kevin on the programs and if it really is going to keep going in that trajectory. But yeah, constant
0: for the
1: SEC. I mean, that, that is a pretty hype review for UNC coming into this season. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're on the same page. Uh, Pat, any thoughts uh, other than what we just stated? Oh, no, really, y'all covered it. I just want to give kudos to Mac Brown because, uh, you know, he was a class act in, in his prior jobs and he brought the same thing back
3: to uh, its current team. And, uh, you know, the talk about Miami or Florida State being a really high-end school may be compared to the rest of the conference, generally speaking. But when it comes to
1: Clemson, uh, they just are not playing on the same field. Well, the problem with Miami is that for all the talent they seem to pull in, they have not been able to get their coaching going. And they've not been able to rein in their own players. And uh, Florida State's a whole other issue. Florida State, man, that's going to take a whole other podcast to talk about. But for simplification, they did not reinvest the money they made when they were a successful program the same way other big programs like Alabama or Texas A&M have done where they made money and they took it and they put it back into their facilities. Florida State never did that, and they have fallen hard from where they used to be. But yeah, UNC, turn things around. Miami, who knows? I mean, maybe this is the year they prove us wrong, and they have a great coaching scheme, but they just have not done that so far. Um, Do you want to talk about Lane Kempin before we move on, Pat? Because I know that's like one of your hot topics. You always love hyping him up. You know what? Honestly, I appreciate you giving me the second shot.
3: It's... uh... Backing up to the SEC and I appreciate what he did last season he gave Alabama a run in that game and uh, came up short but uh, you know what he looked he made his team look pretty good on the field and uh, I'm gonna say that he can turn them into a legitimate program if he can get a defense you know I mean uh, he's he's bringing the belief in the offense everywhere he goes he just has to have the other side of the ball on a kicking game and,
1: you know what, he might be the guy that upsets Bama this year. You never know. It's uh, I, If he can keep his mouth in check because he gives the other guys so much, uh, you know, blackboard material to, uh, to, to, you know, be hyped against him and his players. He could just keep his mouth in check. I think he'd be a better coach. Well, that's another coach where I feel like he would be a coach at Miami because it's like, yeah, is he a good coach? Yeah, but he also he talks too much and he gets his players to Makes it a head game. Um, yeah, sorry. we got to move on to the Big Ten, though. Uh, next up on the list, Big Ten. So you're looking at two teams potentially. I've got Ohio State and Penn State listed. Artem, do we want to make an argument for Michigan, really? Like, should Michigan be on this list? I mean, no, right?
2: No, let's talk about Maryland instead. They've been talking so much smack on, on the social media about Texas leaving. You know, that, that meme where it's like a car swerving, and it's <laughs> like the, if you keep going forward, it's got like something, and then if you, the car swerving away in a different direction and taking the exit, and it's like, uh, it's for Texas, it's meant for them, and it was like, Lose to Maryland out of the Big Ten every year, or (laughs) for the SEC. Um, So if you're talking that much smack, like this early, I feel like you're giving me a player. That's a lot of confidence coming out of Maryland. Um, Definitely going to be Ohio State. Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's going to get a a few folks back. Uh, Northwestern has lost a lot of folks, so I I don't think they'll they'll compete. Um,
1: Rutgers... They oh, don't game. get don't get me hyped for Rutgers. Don't do that. Like what? They actually going to win a game this year? Uh, <laughs> I hope so. They
2: looked better last year. Uh, Iowa looked better. Indiana looked good. Look, really looking to see if Indiana can continue some of that success. They yeah, sort they started with like five and zero or six and zero, and then lost quite a few games after that. But um, they were really, you know, they they took Ohio State to fourth quarter last. I remember. Um, and then Ohio State obviously uh, tore away. But a, there's going to be a lot of uh, reloading being done. Uh, so really everybody has a chance. Wisconsin has a, a has a good chance here as well. Uh, Ohio State, really, it's uh, Ryan Day's chance, just like with Ole Miss and UNC. He's losing all the talent from before, okay, all the guys that were already there. Now what is he going to do with, with the program going forward? He's got his own recruits starting to come into those roles. Are they going to still be able to compete?
1: All right. Well, uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on the big 10? I think, uh, I mean, this, if you want to prove us wrong about Michigan, go ahead and go for it. I don't know what Harbaugh's doing this year.
3: Yeah. I'm not a Harbaugh fan. So, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, I'm going to kind of play the historical part here. I, I want to know where the corn huskers went, you know? you know, I used to remember them as being a really powerhouse team and, uh, so uh, I'm looking at the whole list going, man, you know, that that group stands out as somebody that should be there every year. What in the world happened to them? And I would go to, you know, I would go to Penn State and I would say class act all the way, guys. I'll have put it back on the map. Y'all have made yourselves a potential winner in almost every game you play. Um, nice job. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm not sure season to season that I can critique them all that well. I would critique their conference leadership. This past year, um, they broke down their standards to push Ohio State into the playoff. They changed every rule they could change as they went along that pathway. And uh, and I felt bad for their own conference schools because their conference really didn't live up to its standard and have the school that, that should have won its way into the thing actually represent them so i think in the end ohio state did not perform on the field in the championship and uh really just uh i mean it it justified my point of view having said
1: all that ohio state will probably be the team that's there again this year i will say uh i appreciate you bringing this up i don't know if you did this because you uh wanted to hype us up but we did a uh cast, I think, earlier in the offseason about the fall of Nebraska, if you want to take a listen about how they've dropped off in recent years and what led to them kind of falling off and deteriorating as a uh, top team in the NCAA. But uh, that's that's for another time. Um, Next up, the conference we kind of started the cast with, the uh, Big 12 which I guess is the Oklahoma and Texas conference. Um, so right now I've got Oklahoma as the winner, unless Texas pulls something. Um, the other options would be Baylor, Oklahoma state or Iowa state. Cause Iowa state had a really good showing last year, um, but they're losing a fair bit of that talent. Oklahoma state has also been a traditionally very good school in the big, in the big 12. But they never have a defense. And so it's really hard for me to make a prediction based on them because a few turnovers can ruin a game for them. Baylor is, like, sneaky good. I, I think Baylor's one of those teams where no one ever really thinks about them. But then they tend to end up winning, like, the nine or ten games. Kind of like Kansas State where it's like you look back and then you look – you look away and you look back and it's like, oh, my God, that team already has seven wins. How did that happen? Um, but, yeah, so this is kind of an interesting one. I still expect Oklahoma to win it. But, uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on the Big 12 going into this upcoming season? Well,
3: you know, it's really a mind far for me how we can call them the Big 12 because they only have 10 teams. But we call the Big 10 but they have 12 teams. So I'm like, what? Okay, so uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, all things considered, I think you've, you've got, uh, you got know, to Trust, probably, me, okay. trust me, no one's probably ever heard the, that joke before. <laughs> probably, the, probably the schools that are leaving are probably the, uh, at
3: least Oklahoma, are absolutely the favorites. Uh, I think you're right. Sneaky is Baylor for sure. Um, so uh, I'm not totally sure what, what kind of team they'll have this year. Um, but I just think, you know, if you, if you boil it all down, school that's got the, uh, the momentum, the school that's got the athletes that's making good use of the transfer portal to get better players on the field, uh, i.e., Jalen uh, from Alabama. Uh, I think you get uh,
1: Oklahoma back at the top of that list again this year. All right, uh, Artem. I mean, I assume I assume you're also going to pick Oklahoma because I know you're not going to pick Texas. So, uh, but Artem, who do you, what are you thoughts on the Big Twelve? <laughs>
2: Well, hey, first of all, props to Pat for reminding us the scam that the Big Ten is. Um, so yeah, Ohio State probably will win that conference considering they're they're willing to cheat to get there. But um, actually, Big Ten has fourteen schools. I have it up and I counted, which is just as hilarious. Uh, so really, they need two more, and they'll be in the same state as the ACC. But I, I'm really uh, I'm gonna pick Oklahoma State, TCU here just to not pick Oklahoma. I think there's going to be plenty of negative energy this season. Oklahoma's going to drop a game or two. Um, their players are probably going to get hit on the field, to be honest. Somebody will take a penalty just to do it. But I don't see Texas performing well at all. Uh, this is Sarkeesian's first season, and this is his second time, at least in my following college football, that he's been a, a head coach. And last time he had alcohol problems where he was drinking and drunk during the game, so... I know he went through the rehabilitation program that uh, Nick Saban offers, but he's back on his own, and they've done some questionable stuff in the offseason uh, with uh, some of the stuff they set up to for, for recruits to take photos. And uh, just in general, I don't I don't think they're going to compete as well as we think they are. I think he's a mastermind uh, at offense, but there's a lot of problems at Texas, and I think TCU has been quiet for two years. They're going to step up this year. They have a lot of seniors coming up, and their defense is really good. Uh, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, they actually put out some stats out there saying Texas is running from them because since TCU has joined the conference, Texas has lost seven of the nine games against them. So um, really looking for... I think TCU will always They always drop a game against somebody they shouldn't have, so I don't think they'll be the main competitor. But I'm going for Oklahoma State here. I think they lost Chubba, but a lot of the the rest of the team will still be there it's a good team they compete with Oklahoma every single year and Oklahoma did lose quite a bit uh they do have Spencer Rattler but I really don't think that guy's as good as um some of the previous QBs they had there so as long as Oklahoma State can play defense or even uh just keep up with them in scoring I think Oklahoma State can, can run away with it also dark horse here Kansas State um really came out and won some games randomly last season and then dropped all the other games. Uh, and nice. that was with, uh, was it uh, Derkowitz or whoever the, the head coach from North Dakota was? And we know he can build a program, so let's see what he's going to do with the portal. And is, is he going to you know pull out a win against Texas or Oklahoma and potentially help a TCU or Oklahoma State? It's going to be fun to watch,
0: especially with all the eight.
1: Yeah. I actually forgot about that because Kansas state got their new coach last year. So everybody was like, Oh, so they're not going to win seven games this year. Sure enough. (laughs) Kansas state does some weird things. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it'll be the last hurrah in my mind for the big 12. So hopefully something exciting happens, but I'm going to keep my money on Rattler in Oklahoma, even though I know most people are not a fan of his attitude, but we'll see. Um, Last up of the Power 5 conferences, we got the Pac-12 out on the West Coast. And, you know, normally I would pick, like, Washington or Washington State or USC. Well, not Washington State. Or USC or somebody I'm familiar with. This year is kind of a mess because a lot of the – because of the coach transitions that happened last year and then the player transitions and then the lack of play time, like, I don't really have a good perspective on most of these teams. Um, I guess Herm Edwards is still at Arizona State. USC is still USC. And, I i mean, I don't know. Oregon, I guess, is still out there. So, I don't really know what else to make of this conference. It's kind of a mess. Um, if you're asking me, I guess I would take uh, USC just because it's a name I'm familiar with. But I don't – I wouldn't put any money on it. Um, but, uh, Artem, what, what are your thoughts on the Pac-12? I mean, what are we looking at over here? I got two, two names for you. One is actually an animal. It's a duck. So, Oregon.
2: Um, and then you've got Jaden Daniels, who I believe is in his third year with the program. Kid is lights out. We've seen some crazy stuff for him. This is legitimately a potential for a Heisman year for him. Um, I know the USC's, the Utah's, the, in
0: some cases, Stanford's are going to be good. But really, uh, I'm looking
2: at um, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State and seeing how far he can take the program because they do have a good defense and the rest of the conference is wishy-washy. And then uh, really Oregon, uh, with with all the NIL stuff, um, they're really starting to grab recruits um, because they're giving them FU Nike money. Yeah. Uh, we're promising them uh, that kind of money from Nike. So uh, Nike has stepped up and kind of started doing the, the stuff that they got caught with before, uh, of giving players money, and they're doing it legally now. Uh, so I don't, I don't see them kind of stopping. I think they've already got uh, some good five stars there. Looks like they've been doing that for a long time. So really Oregon again and, uh, and ASU. I'm, I'm really interested uh, to see what Oregon State does. I know they kind of showed some flashes
0: last season. So are they going to be able to step up this season further, uh, take it to the next level, hopefully, and become that kind of dark horse or, you know, that, that second in their um, subconference division?
1: Well, I mean, they did beat Oregon, which was the first time in, like, like, 20 years or something ridiculous like that. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, I would love to see Herm Edwards actually have some success considering the stuff that he did there, where they basically just signed him on, to be a personality. And he has actually really turned Arizona state around, but, uh, and then, yeah, Oregon, for those of you who are unfamiliar owned the uh, guy who owns Nike graduated from there. So there's a lot of Nike money in that Oregon program uh, that that can get thrown around at players now. But uh, so I guess with that in mind, uh, Pat, I know you're out on the East coast, so you're probably not as familiar with most of these programs. Uh, Any thoughts on the pac 12.
3: Yeah. I was about to say that was my real thought is that their games start about the time I go to bed, you know? (laughs) So it's, you're right. It's hard to say, but I would say, uh, I really like the coach at Arizona state. I think, uh, class act that he can't do anything but improve their program. I don't know what kind of support he's getting or whether there's anything going on under, you know, how alums are about undermining, uh, new coaches, but, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, I always like the Stanford program. I, I don't know that they always are a winner, but I really do think that they have the same kind of thing, uh, good karma about their leadership, uh, straightforward, building strong programs uh, a piece of the time. So I wouldn't guarantee that they'll even be in it this year. Oregon looks like the same old uh, Oregon. They'll be pretty close to the top of the list. And, you know, I'll say this as a Bama fan. uh, I think Oregon's making a major mistake with their fan base to switch the gear out every year and to go to the winged uniforms and all the different things they've done. I think if they built themselves a little classier, uh, traditional look, uh, they probably could solidify their their base a little more. But given all that, they still play among the best
1: and recruit among the best uh, on the West Coast yeah I mean, I think that has more to do with uh, again Phil Knight's influence. He likes the fancy new looking uniforms, but I'm, I'm absolutely asleep before it gets to halftime on their game, so I'm probably the worst person to ask on this conference, but uh,
0: no I, they got a lot going on out there. I think what? the fact they got herm Edwards, uh, is it, it picks the whole conference up a little bit. I
1: think it's definitely brought a renewed interest uh, to some of the schools, if nothing else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think think the Pac-12 is also kind of watching to see what happens this year because they haven't really been relevant in a lot of these playoffs for a while either. So they really need to kind of get a showing this year to hopefully kind of feel reestablished as a conference, as a higher-class conference. But – Anyway, I think uh, that's going to about do us for the rest of this week. Uh, thanks, thanks Artem, and thanks, Pat, for joining me today. Um, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. You can always send us an email at toomeatleather at gmail.com. Uh, before we sign off, any shout-outs or anything to say, uh, Pat or Artem? Yeah, hey, Artem.
2: Uh, I was going to say just some, a thought to leave everybody with. This, this whole COVID and uh, vaccine thing is really going to be uh, something to look at going into football because there's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL with like DeAndre Hopkins threatening to retire because they're being forced to go get the vaccine to be able to play in this, this upcoming season. And players and coaches are like, no, fire me. So um, with NIL and everything else going in where players are pretty much employees, uh, we'll, we'll see what that does to some schools because somebody like uh, uh, whatever, I can't pronounce the Clemson's uh, quarterback's uh, name, but if he's like doesn't have the vaccine and he doesn't want to get it, he can be like, "All right, f you, Clemson. I'm going to OU." Uh, really, something to watch.
3: Oh, you're- I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that nationwide, that's an important issue, and uh, it's not just for our teams, which we love to watch. It's an important issue for our country and to be able to get everything. The, the businesses we love drive the sports that we love, and I think we need to think of getting all of those things back on track. Uh, Logan, I'm going to jump right on to my doubt uh, out, and that goes, it has to go to Nick Saban for outdoing the bear. I mean, who's going to win more championships than the two of them? Uh, I, I don't know who will ever do it. Maybe it will be done. But uh, that that is an incredible run uh, for Nick Saban in the period of time that he's done it in. Um, And I know it's oversaid and
0: it's overdone, but you still have to back up and just go, wow. What an accomplishment. He
1: has certainly earned the statue that they've already built for him, considering how many championships he's won for the program. I I will say, just before we go, because Arden brought up a good point, I was thinking about it less from the perspective of him like, leaving one school for another I was thinking more like let's say you get to the end of this year and the NFL hasn't eased up on their requirements for uh, you know COVID vaccinations and say you don't want to get vaccinated if you're making money with your face in college you could just be like you know I'll wait another year wait and see how this eases up and maybe things get better in another year and then you make money in college before you go sign that big-time contract Uh, you never know. So this, a lot of things changing. This, it's kind of crazy to think how much of an impact just one year of this COVID thing has had on all of our major sports programs. But here, here we are.
2: It's true. I saw the Alabama quarterbacks already making six figures or almost seven figures. Uh,
1: what's his name? DeAndre King at, uh, yeah, at Miami. That was the guy that I was thinking of was, he's making like eight figures or some ridiculous number. It's insane. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, there's money to be had out there for these kids now. So I guess good, good for them. Uh, hopefully they spend it wisely. I don't know. That's, that's my concern. But yep. Alrighty. Well, with that, I guess we're wrapped up for the night. Uh, the rest of y'all have a good rest of your week and, uh, stay happy and healthy out there. Good night, everybody.